Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Volume. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet the big game, bet just five bucks, that's it, five bucks, and get 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Takes about 90 seconds. Use the code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. New customers bet five bucks, get 150 instantly in bonus bets for the big game. DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Remember, redeem code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. All right. Well, it's uh, it's sort of a lull before the storm, the week prior to Super Bowl week. And so I, I tend not to break down the games or worry about that stuff until we get to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week. Um, this week we had Tom Brady on, and it's interesting. One of the questions I get asked a lot how do you think Tom Brady will do at Fox as a broadcaster? And um, I've always had this kind of opinion about people. Whatever job you do, you become your personality. So let's just take quarterbacks. So Tony Romo was a playmaking quarterback who was really fun to watch. He was a little loose, wasn't always efficient, but a big playmaker. And I thought he was always underrated. He didn't have Troy Aikman's career. Uh, he doesn't have Brady's career, but Romo's personality, if you'd met him, it's fun, it's loose, it's easy going. And I thought that's how he played. He only had a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. Tony made some mistakes and threw a lot of picks, but he was also a playmaker and was good off script. And as a broadcaster at CBS, he came out flashy, like he was as a player, with a bang, predicting plays, a lot of attention. And I guess the criticism of him could be he's a little loose, 
sometimes not quite buttoned up, don't always feel like he's completely prepared. Fair or not, that's the criticism from critics, media people who monitor this stuff. But his personality became his style as a quarterback and his style as a broadcaster. Brady is very much the opposite, a three-to-one touchdown-to-interception career, more efficient, more about preparation, um, always feels completely buttoned up, but not flashy at all. And I think that's his personality. I think that was his football career, and I think that's what he'll be like as a broadcaster. He won't be predicting plays early and get him a lot of attention for that. That that won't be, that was Romo. That's not his personality. That's not his style. He will get better over the course of time, and he'll be highly conscientious, super prepared. And I think over the course of time, you will appreciate him like New England did like Michigan football did. Over the course of time, Tom doesn't blow you away with playmaking and flash, but it's his attention to detail, his leadership, um, his um, kind of self-awareness, understanding what he is, what he isn't, and leaning into it. Um, and I and I think uh, all broadcasters, sort of their careers become their personalities. Um, and I think that's what Brady will be as a broadcaster. I think, by and large, most people doing this do a good job. I was—I don't talk much about broadcasters. It, people get very sensitive. I'm a broadcaster, so you know I don't want to talk about it a lot. Last year, I offered kind of a marginal criticism of Romo that he had a reputation. He loved his golf. Like sometimes I felt in blowout games, he wasn't always dialed in. It's no big deal. Uh, that got a lot of pushback. Um, and and to validate my opinion, Sean McManus acknowledged uh, publicly that he went out and uh, went down and talked to Tommy Romo about things he thought he was good at and things he needed to get better at. So I never felt I was off base. But back to Brady, I think I kind of have a sense of what Tom will be as a broadcaster because I watched his career and I know his personality from enough people um, around Tom. A lot of detail, a lot of preparation, slow growth, slow build. And you'll look up in two or three years and think he's a heck of a broadcaster. Broadcasting, um, you know, I've always had great respect for the people that do broadcasting on site, the play-by-play -play people, the sideline people, and the analysts. So what I do is a studio show. And I have to ad-lib for three hours, and I don't think it's easy. Um but these game broadcasts, it, you have to deal with the environment and the crowd and directors and read commercials and throw to um, the studio, throw to the sidelines. I think it's very, very difficult. But play-by-play -play guys, Tariko and and Kevin Burkhart and, uh, you know, all the great people at Fox, ESPN, NBC, Jim Nance, they're terrific, Al Michaels. Um, you do get into a rhythm of a game and calling a game. Not that it's easy. It's much harder than what I do for a living. But I think one of the hardest things to do is football analyst work. I think it's damn hard. So basically, you have to talk in eight-second intervals 250 times a game. And if you make one mistake, it is all viral. You're trending. One mistake out of 250. That's why I think the criticism of analysts is mostly embarrassing, ridiculous. I do think Romo can be a little loose sometimes, but it's it's not 
to me that noteworthy. I don't turn the game off. Uh, I think Nance and Romo are entertaining. They're fine. I think Tariko's always got great energy. Uh, Burkhart, Olsen, I think have been just magical together in a short time. Um, you know, Michaels is good with everybody. So I just, I, th I think sometimes when I read the media critics, I don't care if they take shots at me. I, I really don't see all of it, don't care. But I think to be a football analyst, you have to be patient with these broadcasters, these players. This is not what they do. It's very, very difficult. I, I don't know how the college guys do it. Like in the NFL, you've got a limited roster. To be a college football analyst and you got 85 scholarship players, walk-ons, <laughs> and you get into a blowout game in the the third quarter, and you have to have an opinion on a player that you've maybe probably never seen play. I mean, you're looking on your sheet. Well, you need to be prepared. You're, nobody's that prepared. You, you haven't memorized the life story and the career of every backup for Toledo football. So I'm going to be patient um, with Brady. Um, I thought people got a little too hot, hyperbolic on Romo early calling plays. I thought it was fun, but that can't define you. I mean, I mean, what are you going to do? Hit 50%? You know, that's tough. I do think Tony brings in a pretty good energy. He's fun. And I think, again, that was his career. I loved watching Romo play. I defended Romo as a player for years. I thought he was terrific. Uh, he was just sometimes loose. You know, he, he, Tony, Tony'd throw an interception at the wrong time, but he is one of the most underappreciated Dallas Cowboy players of all time. Uh, career didn't last very long. But at its height, it was wildly dynamic. Go look at his numbers. Google his stats. He had some big years, a lot of big years, and he could move. That's why when I said I thought Joe Burrow was like going to be a, a, a better version of Tony Romo, I always thought Tony Romo was an A to an A minus quarterback. He didn't play very long, but I, I thought in Tony's best years, he was like A minus. You know, Favre was A plus. Uh, Aikman was A, A plus. Uh, Brady, obviously Manning. But I thought Tony was lower end A or B plus, 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 plus. Um, and I think as a broadcaster, he can be fine. But his playing and his broadcasting feel the same to me. And that's what I think you'll get with Brady. So there's been a lot of talk recently. The NBA trading deadline is coming up. And, and people have discussed, what about the Lakers moving off LeBron James? And I don't think this is going to happen. And there's a lot of reasons here. So um, LeBron's good for business. The Lakers haven't, they won the bubble year, but, you know, they've been a really inconsistent and at times dysfunctional team over the last four to five years. And for the last, you know, I mean, the last five years before LeBron became a Laker, they were a mess. They were like record-wise worst or second worst in the league over half a decade. So they had the bubble year, but they've mostly been a really inconsistent franchise. And LeBron sells out games, and he's one of the great Lakers of all time even though the Laker fans got him post-prime, right? But I think you have to consider if you trade LeBron James and he doesn't want to be traded because he has such a dynamic business portfolio in Los Angeles, you're going to piss off LeBron. And that means you're going to piss off Clutch Sports. And Clutch Sports got AD to LA. And in the NBA, there's a handful of very influential agents that you don't want to be on the wrong side of. It doesn't work that way in football, but it does in basketball. It can be um, very provincial. I mean, I can remember years and years ago, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's agent was highly powerful, very connected to David Stern. 
Um, and that was the reality. Michael was just really, really important for the league. So I, I don't think there'll be a trade because I don't think, I think LeBron committed to you as a franchise and has sold so much merchandise and so many tickets and he won you a championship that I do feel the Bus family and they historically have been very loyal to people that have rewarded them. I think LeBron's really kept you afloat uh, for the last five years. He's kept you viable. He's He's made you tens and hundreds of millions of dollars and added to your value. Um, and I just don't think you'd trade a player like that. I, I That doesn't mean um, I'm going to rebuild my roster solely based on what LeBron wants. But the Lakers are a small um, ownership group. The Bus family uh, is not nearly as financially secure or dynamic as the Clippers owner, Steve Ballmer. He's the richest owner in the NBA by far. So I just think when LeBron came here, he, to a large degree, kind of saved the franchise. Um, you know, they, they weren't good in Kobe's last years. Uh, they weren't competitive. Uh, the Warriors were running the league. They were an afterthought. They had run through coaches. Um, and I, and I think LeBron did them a solid by coming here. Now, Los Angeles has also helped his business, um, career. His net worth is, is robust, probably over a billion dollars now. But it's, um, it's been a relationship where LeBron has helped the Lakers. The Lakers have helped LeBron. And it's not that the Lakers couldn't get other players if they traded LeBron. I never buy into that nonsense. The bottom line is players take care of themselves. But I think just on a personal level, LeBron doesn't call out coaches publicly. LeBron is good for business. LeBron does interviews after every game. LeBron's been an upstanding citizen in the community. I don't think you treat him that way. And I, you know me, I'm not super loyal guy when it comes to, you know, sports history, like move a guy. Um... And you could say, well, Colin, you'd trade Clay Thompson. One of the talks has been trading LeBron to the Warriors and getting some pieces back. Uh, Clay Thompson is different. He didn't save the Warriors. Steph Curry's been the face, Draymond the two, Clay the three, and he's been a great part of that franchise. But Clay Thompson's not selling tickets. Steph is. And uh, Clay Thompson um, also is at a point in his career that you'd only be able to overpay him to keep him. And he's not as good a player as LeBron is. LeBron is still, on any given night, the best player on the floor in an NBA game. He's not as good as Jokic over the course of a season or Giannis or Embiid. But on any given night, LeBron's the best player on the floor in, in the biggest games of the year. So I just I just think there are certain times LeBron's been good for the Lakers. The Lakers have been good and Los Angeles for LeBron. I don't think you trade him. I think you sit down with him and say, hey, this thing's getting to a close. Let's make it as elegant as we can, as thoughtful, conscientious as we can. And then you go from there. Um, but I, I, I just, LeBron's been very valuable to the Lakers. He's on on a lot of nights. He's the only reason you go. On most nights, he's the only reason you go. He's made a lot of people in that organization a lot of money. And there's value in that, right? They're, they're, yeah, I wouldn't trade LeBron. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Middlecoff, former NFL scout. Got a podcast at the volume, three and out. Knows the Niners back and forth. All right, 34-31, Niners second Super Bowl in five seasons, overcame a 17-point lead. So the, the one thing I'll say is for a seventh round last pick and for an undersized guy, uh, Purdy has been in so many games, high school, college, and now pro. He's just had so many snaps that he's just kind of situationally he, I, I see no higher low of them. I mean, if he goes to the podium, John, he's unemotional. Yeah. I've never seen him smile. Yeah. He smiles less than Kawhi Leonard. Like there's, <laughs> he's just like, he's just kind of static. That's not a terrible quality. He's not very emotional. Very mature guy. I mean, he's engaged at 23, 24 years old. I mean, I would say that's not typical for NFL quarterbacks in 2024 in the modern day culture. Uh, one thing, you know, speaking of the two quarterbacks in the second game, if you just put him in a pocket untouched, Goff throws a better ball. You can see much easier. No question. But the game, as games get uglier and as you can generate some pressure and things just, it's football. Things don't go as planned. You need to be able to make some plays with your legs. Jared Goff just cannot. Kirk Cousins cannot. And that is one element that Kyle, who likes, Kyle would like Jared Goff. But there is an element of having just an athletic quarterback you don't need well, to be lamar jackson you just need to be they, able to move that's why they drafted trey lance they 100%. wanted it yeah. so brock gives them that element and and it's funny when they got trey lance what i had heard in the building was <laughs> he's not as athletic as we thought no he's slow and that's slow. The, you know they're always a thing in scouting about time speed or athletic ability if you went to watch a guy play basketball or a guy at the combine you know the combine's in a month or whatever 
all these guys run fast 40 times. And then there are guys like St. Brown, who I don't know what his 40 time is, but he plays really fast. Debo runs a 4-5-5. Well, put the ball in his hands. No one catches him. Right. So I don't know what Brock Purdy runs, but I know when he scrambles or when he moves behind the pocket, he moves fast enough to get away from some guys. Now, he can't run away from everybody, but his play speed is really good. And this gets back to instincts. And to me, instinctive football players, the Lions have a lot of them. You know, I mean, they they really do. They they have a fast team. So do the 49ers. Fred Warner plays really fast and Dre Greenlaw play really fast because they're instinctive players. I mean, they're good athletes. But when you can read and you know what's coming, I mean, th- these players in the NFL have been talking about this in the history since I've been alive, about knowing what's coming, preparing. It helps you play faster. And then there's the upper level of like the truly great instinctive players. And obviously, uh, the 49ers are full of them, right? I mean, they, they just are from Kittle to Debo to yeah. I-, I think their coach, you know, when he gets in a rhythm, Kyle, Kyle's weird, right? Ben Johnson has just been red hot all season long. Kyle can have games where you feel like, God, what, what's he doing? And then right. today it just kind of flipped and then he got his mojo and the rest was history. The Niners Lions looked exactly like I thought. I said on Friday, I said, Detroit will probably take the lead. They're a great first half team. Ben Johnson. I said, Purdy will play from behind. It'll be good. It'll be close. If Debo plays, I said, he'll make two or three big plays and they'll win. I think I predicted the score would be 34-28 or 34-27. So that game, now I didn't expect the meltdown in the huge lead, but the, the final result was San Francisco just made more big plays. Their physicality took over. Detroit was not quite ready in the moment. That's what I thought I would see. It just how we got there was different. Yeah. I do not remember ever a playoff game with what I perceive to be a great team being more wrong. That game, first of all, my entire belief on the game was, oh, they're going to pound the rock, make Mahomes sit on the sideline. And it was Kansas City that had a nine-minute drive. I know. It, the game looked the opposite of what I looked like. The I time of possession, both, I remember they put it on the screen one time. You're like, this is insane. It's insane. And they abandoned the run. Like, I thought it was going to be... Uh, Baltimore lead, um, uh, Kansas City can't quite keep up in the end. Baltimore couldn't score. They they abandoned. They it's, they didn't abandon the run. They never ran. They never yeah. attempted to run. So that game, that game. You know, okay, so let's talk about this. How do you match the experience with the coaches on Kansas City? When you think about Andy's now been in the league for 30 plus years and all the yeah, Spag- Spagnola can can lean back but on it, the games against Belichick and his experience. I mean, it's it's so I have special. been a I've been a big defender of Lamar. I love how much he cares. Every year he gets bigger, he gets better. And we cannot deny he's a better pocket quarterback today than he used to be. No question. Fantastic player. But I did think today it is now fair to say not quite the same in the playoffs. I defended him forever. I used to say Peyton Manning wasn't the same in the playoffs. It's it's hard to win in the playoffs. Today, and again, I'm not blaming him. He had no run support. I hated the game plan. But he melted a little late. And I think it's fair to say, and he had a couple of bad throws. I do think it's fair to say that he is, he tends to be run centric. He can melt a little. He's not as good from behind. Most aren't. But when you watched him and Mahomes, I'm like, some of the criticism is just now. I defended it, but it's just. Well, from a f- specific football standpoint, he got fidgety today. He got rushed. He looked like the younger Lamar, where yeah. in the playoffs, when it wasn't going Baltimore's way, he would one read and then kind of scramble around and kind of scramble within the pocket. And it just throws everything off instead of all season long. 
Now, granted, they were beating the crap out of most teams, right? He was very under control. It's like, well, if this is the version of the player, I'm all in because he's calm, you know, kind of moving around. Today, he got very fidgety. He, he got very, felt very uneasy about two seconds into the place. And part of that, I think it's back to the immense amount of pressure in a spot like that against that opponent. And you start going, we're down. You just naturally kind of freak out. Now, maybe we look back in a couple of years and he wins a game like this and he says, going through that experience helped me out. But today he resorted back to the guy. Like I, I said yes. this last week, everyone shitting on Josh Allen. Was he perfect? No, but I never watched for a moment and thought I wouldn't want that guy on my team. If you right. put that guy on a team that's stacked, you're winning with that guy. It was not his fault. He did not look overwhelmed. I'm not saying Lamar looked overwhelmed, but I need you to be in complete control. The moment you get fidgety, it's the Peyton Manning thing in the playoffs. You're playing the best of the best. He used to lose to the Patriots. You're playing Andy and Mahomes here. They're not going to screw up, and this defense is solid. Like, just live to fight some other, you know, get a seven-yard gain, right? Complete some balls. The balls were flying on him. The rain started coming. But to me, he was very, very uneasy yeah. in the pocket. And that, to me, you kind of knew it right away. Like, you you could feel it. And it happened against the Houston Texans. And then he came out a different guy. Why? They started running the ball, calmed everything down. He never calmed down. Their offense never calmed down. Well, they didn't do, Monken didn't do him any favors. The way to settle a quarterback down is get him a run game. For sure. By the way, second half, Niners, Christian McCaffrey peeled off a couple big runs. Everybody comes down. The temperature in the room comes down. Little swing past the Debo. Debo breaks tackles. The sideline play to Kittle. It just brings the temperature down. It gets the crowd into it. So San Francisco, after a rocky first half by Purdy, what are we going to do? Let's get him some yards. Let's not put the pressure on him. They never did that with Baltimore. They just kept dropping him back. By the way, and Spags is bringing extra people. Baltimore can't block them. So at no point did Baltimore say, listen, because they saw what you saw. God, Lamar's frenetic here. Let's get him help. Nope. They just dropped him again with six rushing and five blocking. If I told you this morning that before the game kicked off, the Chiefs are only going to have 17 points, you, you would probably assume they're going to lose, right? Like I, I didn't envision a spot where they could win 17 to 16 or 17 to 13 or 17 to 10. But what happened today? Awful pick in the end zone in a triple coverage. Karlovskis gets a big strip sack against them. Obviously, the Chiefs came through with turnovers. You can't afford to have... The 49ers overcame the pick Purdy. It was early. Would They would not have been over, able to come overcome a pick in the second half, and let alone countless turnovers. Say Flowers, Lamar Jackson, the fumble strip sack. I mean, that's you're not overcoming that against you know the new dynasty. It's not possible, but it starts with him. I mean, I, the whole building, I, I would imagine every guy and, and, and female that bought a ticket felt it early, like, oh, we're in trouble. This quarterback looks a little off kilter. And, and let's face it, he, he was. All right, Nick Wright, we do this on Tuesdays. It comes out on Wednesdays. We talk about a lot of stuff we don't normally talk about. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we'll kind of pivot to this, the Taylor Swift thing where uh, apparently MAG is upset and uh, and uh, p people are upset with that. I did a rant today uh, that made, you know, it got a lot of play on, I guess. I, guess. I don't see a TikTok and some stuff like that. Is that um, it's so, here's what's weird to me. I think about this a lot. How would my wife and my daughter and my stepdaughters judge me if I was bothered by 30 seconds of Taylor Swift in a broadcast that lasts three and a half hours? Here's what I always wonder about men. 
they can't have strong women in their life. The fact that a man, if I went on the air and I was outraged by Taylor Swift and I had like, I have a really bright daughter and bright stepdaughters and a smart, savvy, outspoken wife. I have a sister who doesn't really follow me, but she'll get stuff on Instagram or TikTok. That's my sister too. Not that all interested in what I do, but sometimes gets sent to her. Yep. Always the non-sports stuff. Yeah. But I always think about this. If you're a man and you have women in your life that you either love or respect, don't you have the self-awareness to know what an effing idiot and insecure D-bag you look like being bothered by 24 seconds of Taylor Swift shots from a box in a three and a half hour broadcast? All right, listen. Taylor Swift was shown almost to the second, the same amount of time in the Chiefs-Ravens game as crab cakes were. So anyone pretending like, oh, it was too much, they are projecting their own issues on it. And it is, it, it is partially, yes, everything. Like, the, I am, it is hard to shock me these days at the things people will get mad about. But this is shocking. Yeah. This is, this, if there was ever a feel-good story, it's, hey, this guy who Try aside, like, I guess people don't like Travis because he did the commercials for Pfizer. Like, this is, it, it, I mean, I, Nick, I, Shaquille O'Neal, and I know his agent, will has taken, he's done 600 ads for, a, I mean, he's, if you ask, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. He's doing it for the general. He's doing it he's for Bob Spurger. He's a tight end. They don't get commercials. He's right. at the end of his career. And People are going, hey, will you do it for a million and a half? The answer is yes. And also, by the way, even if, so here's why, all right, I'm going to be very honest here for a minute. I find a lot of some of the people angry about the vaccine stuff to be very intellectually dishonest because if the stance is, like you have said, don't do mandates, my body, my choice, wh- whatever it is. Yeah. So be it. But that must then also mean if Travis Kelsey's like, man, I love the fucking vaccine. I think it right. saved people's lives. That's right. He, and scream from the mountaintops. Good for him. Like, do whatever you want. But they hate him because of it. They they hate Travis Kelsey. And Aaron didn't help this situation going to Mr. Pfizer, whatever. Taylor, like, shockingly, the vast majorities a majority of pop young pop stars throughout all of American history tends to lean liberal. Now, maybe she won't in her 60s, but there's not a bunch of super popular 20-something-year-old musicians in American history who's like, man, I'm a hardcore conservative. That is not what the, you know what I mean, what the artistic fields typically are. So these two people coming together and they just hate them. They just hate them. And they I think they hate them. Because they're young, they're happy, they're good-looking, they're successful, and they are jealous. Guess what? Everybody's probably a little jealous of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. It's like, well, you got a billion five between you. He's the best ever at this. You might be the best ever at that. You do whatever you want. But there's a level of happy for you. Seems awesome. There used to be uh, something of almost aspirational happiness on behalf of others. I feel like when people saw Brady and Giselle, there was an element of, God damn, man, 
That's why you practice so hard in high school. <laughs> like you might literally end up marrying a supermodel. Like that's, and I know that's kind of, you know, no, I get you what you're saying, school guy stuff, but that is part of it. Is like you, you know, the the prom queen and the jock athlete and all that stuff. And I, I, I can't conceptualize the well, people you know who hate these people. They, yeah. they get angry at it, and they're angry because Taylor Swift has shown Jason Kelsey was shown more in one playoff game than yeah. Taylor's been shown in all of them. And I'm not talking about a playoff game he played in, but go ahead. The people bothered by Travis Kelsey, Giselle, Tom, Taylor Swift. Those aren't successful people. They resent success. People that that want to be on this journey and they just love, doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to be rich, but you love the journey. You love other people. You're happy. They're not the ones outraged by this. So I I agree with you to a degree. I think you're right that the people who didn't like Tom and Giselle and now don't like Taylor and Travis, those people resent success. My fear is that there are a different group of people, maybe with some crossover, who were not bothered at all previously by uh, Tom and Giselle, but now have gotten so political tribalist yes that if i know affirmatively you are on the other political team as me yes that's true i hate you i just i i i I actively hate you and that and and that is it's like man i get it i i don't get the hate but i understand if if you feel someone is constantly preaching their politics even if you agree with them you can be like man it's a bummer. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm not here for it. All of it. But I don't look at Travis doing the commercials as preaching politics at all. Oh. I Taylor, once every election cycle, I think sends out a link about like registering to vote. And I think she endorsed yeah. Obama, I think like eight years ago. That's it. If that level of like, I, I'll give you an example. I, if I had the opportunity to sit down with Bill Belichick, yeah. I would, I, I'd pay money for it. If I could sit down and like pick his brain, talk to him, whatever it is. I, he doesn't preach his politics. I have, I'm, you know, he's at the very least buddies with Trump. I'm pretty sure like he, th- I think that's yeah, where he aligns politically. Yeah. I know conservative and I think he's a Trump guy. Knowing that doesn't make me be like, man, I hope he never gets Shula's record. I hope right. he's unemployed forever. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, we, we wouldn't talk about those things. And it is. There is just a level of anger. Can I ask you before we end real quick, just because you said lists and it got my brain going. Yeah. Right now, this moment is, and I have to ask you a Mahomes question before we end. Is Mahomes, in your opinion, a top two all-time quarterback? Yes. So that's, 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 that's interesting. You just found our final topic. So I have no problem separating raw talent from productivity. I don't think Bill Russell's nearly as good as Kareem was <laughs> or as dominating sure. as Shaq, um, but he was more productive. I can separate those two. I think most fans can. You certainly can. Where Mahomes, I think Marino is significantly, is one of the most gifted throwers, if not the most gifted thrower. I watched his prime. He was a machine. Big, strong, fast, quick. He was like Aaron Rodgers with more size, more of a power arm. 
I mean, he had all, it was just, he was, um, he, he was better than Elway at just throwing a ball and Elway was great. Marino, I'd never seen anything like Elway. Think if Aaron Rodgers was, it just, he yep. was bigger and more natural and no JC he was the best high schooler, the best college guy. He just had those rumors that hurt him in the draft, but he wasn't productive like a Brady yep. or a Manning. So what you're seeing with Mahomes now is the most naturally gifted player, including Marino. He's the most naturally gifted. Yep. And now. The He's production is stacking. insane. It's insane. And, and I pushed back early when Tom beat him a couple times. I'm yeah. like, let's slow down. Okay. Now he's stacking chips. It like He's poker. stacking everything. You and have so to like, win a couple World Series of pokers. You know, you could be the bigger brain. Let's say you're an academic yeah. and, and you, you're beating the late uh, Doyle Brunson, and who's a smart guy. But you're like the, viewed as this Elon Musky smart guy. But you can never win the World Series of poker. You win six out of seven, okay, then you're the greatest. So so that, so listen, Mahomes, it, just on the accomplishments route, I look at it like a marathon. And if you ever, or look at the Olympics, if you're watching someone run the 1600 meters, after one lap, they tell you, are they on world record pace? Right. Yeah. No one can be like, oh, hadn't done it yet. It's like, well, the race ain't over. All we can do is judge the pace. Right. So Brady. We did this on the show today. 22 seasons as a start because you take out both of their rookie years because luckily both of them didn't play the rookie years. 22 seasons as a starter, seven Super Bowls, which is bananas. That's 31, 32%. 10 Super Bowl appearances, that's 45%. 14 um, conference championship games, that's 64%. Mahomes, as of this moment, Two Super Bowls in six years, that's 33%, just ahead of Brady. Four Super Bowl appearances in six years, that's 67%, way ahead of Brady. And six for six on conference championship games, that's 100%, that's way ahead. <laughs> if he wins in two weeks, now he's 50% of his years as a starter, he's won the Super Bowl. 67% he's been there. And the other two years, he lost in overtime the round before. So the production, he is on pace to shatter everybody's the numbers he's on pace to shatter everybody's. So this is where I, so you said, I like lists. So this is my quarterback lists and it, it is um, kind of a rich tapestry of raw talent, accomplishments. I test all of it. Brady is one for now. Mahomes is two. Peyton Manning is three. Joe Montana, four. Elway Marino is really hard, five, six, six, five, because yeah. Elway went to five Super Bowls, has more MVPs, has yes. more rings. And I kind of feel like, but Marino was better. <laughs> like, I, I know that sounds shitty, but, Mar and then rounding it out of guys like what I would call modern era. So, like, post Bradshaw, Staubach, yeah. post that is Rogers, Brett, and the guy who I think is the most underrated um, of all time in Steve Young. Yes, right? yes, he is. Young was the Insane. closest thing to Mahomes before Mahomes yep. as far as yep. creativity, athleticism, yep. crazy. So, like, I think if Mahomes, like, I'm ready to say Mahomes is, was, is better than Peyton Manning. Like, I have him ahead. Yes. Uh, and Peyton won five MVPs. And I think he can run down Tom. I don't, and I don't think he, Tom did something interesting because Tom was on with you. He, you know, he did a couple of interviews today and 
in one of them, he was asked about Mahomes. And Tom said, you know, was talking about how great he is and all these things. And then he was like, listen, man, because he was asked about someone else being the GOAT. And he said at the end, it was so, it was so slick. He was like, listen, if anyone can get to seven Super Bowls, like I want to shake their hand because I know <laughs> like he's he made it very clear. Oh, yeah, someone else can be the GOAT. They better get seven fucking rings, though, because I don't want to hear nothing about someone because he knows seven's going to be hard. But and so he's like, that's the standard. And just to be clear, get to seven and we can talk. But I don't think you have to get to seven. Like the point I always make, forget Russell. Michael Jordan retired the first time. Retired in 1993. Um, Had three rings. Magic was still playing at that time, had five. Kareem had just retired, had six. You know what they put on Michael's statue? The greatest there ever was, the greatest there ever will be. They weren't counting rings then. They were like, no, we saw him. He's better than everybody. He's the best. Good Nobody point. ever started, by the way, counting rings until Michael got the most. And then people were like, oh, we got to count the rings. Um, And he's still, I mean, the mo- kind of the most. Uh, and so I, I Brady... Brady does have, it's not like Brady doesn't have eye test stuff. Brady is yeah. as great of a leader, clutch, all of it. By the, by the way, by the way, throws as good a bad weather ball as I've ever seen. Super important. Super important. And the, the AFC, stuff. all the great organizations are normal. Right. Yeah, exactly right. And so all that matters. So I'm not trying to discount Tom at all, but Patrick's got a, path here if they can win they they traded away Tyree Hill and said we're taking the long view of it yes that was right build a defense we have yep. the second this year the Chiefs have the second youngest defense in football if the first two years without Tyree Hill they peel t- both rings yeah then all of a sudden you're back ahead of the pace and people hey. throw the two and oh at me all the time he was two and oh Listen, the Super Bowl's the Super Bowl. Tampa kicked Mahomes' ass. Everybody go rewatch the 2018 AFC title game. That's one of the two wins. And tell me who played better that game. Like, By don't, you can't hold that one against Patrick. The volume. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, take a moment, rate, and review. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.